So, yeah, getting this thing started. How would you describe what it is that you do? You know, what is this uh, return of higher laws and where does this all come from? Um, it is, uh, it's just kind of a, a pet project slash labor of love slash the purpose of my life <laughs> put into a format that it just allows me to share everything that I get into studying uh, that seems like it's really effective and healing and part of spiritual awakening and raising consciousness and just getting back to the original state of mind. And uh, so Return of Higher Law started out as just sharing a lot of different excerpts from various books, um, different religious and spiritual teachings, um, just wanting to have a place to have like a collection where people could go and just read little bits and pieces here and there to see if it would spark their interest and kind of inspire them to go on their own deep dive with something. So it talks, the website talks about, you know, reincarnation and uh, just all kinds of spirituality, all kinds of like old uh, enlightenment age poetry that might like point to the ideas that, you know, there's more to the world than we think mm -hmm. uh, there's more to the world than like you'll learn about in school or from your parents. Yeah, um, that's just, for sure. You know, little, little breadcrumbs to offer to, to start the inspiration spark. Mm. And the YouTube channel developed uh, shortly after the website. And I uh, just started feeling inspired to speak about what I was learning. Um, to I read some books. I just would like read the book and, and record it. And it just, I don't know, there's just something that wants to flow where it says, uh, share it, you know, like if it touches my heart and it feels true and it feels like it is bringing in the light, it just feels so right to share it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that really is our higher purpose, no matter what our vocation might be, that we are just extending ourselves, whatever that looks like. Yeah. And so this is what the stuff that I'm feeding myself every day for the last several years, it's kind of like the program that I've chosen to align with and yeah, teaching it and sharing it. And I'm kind of just putting it all on display and yeah, I just feel like, uh, just talking about it's not enough, like just demonstrating the experience that it provides um, as you kind of go through this and expand yourself and like uh, get rid of fear and get rid of this, uh, like a lot of illusory sense of limitation and vulnerability and doubt and just all that stuff. Like I'm a different person than I was. And I think that that shows like from videos a few years ago, it, there's just, there's a difference here. So I feel like that's a demonstration to also help inspire anyone that, you know, feels like a seeker or just uh, kind of wants to connect with somebody else that's feeling it like a cheerleader. I know I felt that way <laughs> early in the journey, just wanting to connect with other people that were excited about it like I was. So now I'm I'm showing up in that capacity. Hmm. It's wonderful. Yeah. So you said something about original mind. I've never heard it put that way. We're returning to original mind. How would you describe this so-called original mind? Well, it's something that A Course in Miracles refers to once or twice. They don't make a, a big thing about original mind, but that 
phrase original mind is something that started occurring to me uh, about a year ago because of all the metaphysical symbology that I've looked into. And so, you know, the word father, um, you know, it doesn't mean like your male genetic parent, Um, you know, it really means like origin or source Mm -hmm. or creator. So basically it's all pointing back to the original and we are considered sparks or parcels of the one mind of God. And that the truth of what we are is um, not a material body, but more like energy or an idea. And so as an idea, we are a perfect thought in the mind of God. And so to return to the original mind is really to just kind of pop out of the layers of like the person identity, like your age, your location, your sex, your gender, your interests, whatever you've got going on, like I feel like these are layers that are illusions mm-hmm. and that there is an original state of mind that as you get closer to it, you feel like you're returning home. Like you feel like you're getting back in touch with the purest version of yourself. It just feels right. It just feels good. Mm. And then when you look back on the stuff that you've left behind, like some of the layers that you've shed, you realize like, you haven't lost anything. You haven't sacrificed anything. You've actually just revealed more of yourself in its purity. And so that's what kind of opens the channel to like feel joyful and feel peaceful and then like flow that out into everything that you do and into your relationships. And like that for me makes a much happier life than trying to care so much about trying to get those other little layers right or like worrying about them at all. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, like just getting out of that, like all the layers of false identity and just connecting to like the eternal spirit self. Mm. Yeah, well said. Uh, I mean, getting right into this thing, do you think that's what life is really all about? Are we all on the path back home to this original mind? Ultimately, yes. Ultimately, yes, everyone is already on that path. They are just uh, taking wayward routes and it just looks very different. I feel like we're all unique expressions of the one divine Mm -hmm. and that how we decide to have this experience, how we decide to reawaken to the memory is totally an individual thing. Yeah. And so we have no idea what what other people are really going through or experiencing or thinking. And so we just kind of have to trust that they're right where they need to be, however that looks, and bring the focus back to, you know, what are we doing with our experience? And so if you if you feel the call to do what I'm doing and to, you know, connect with these ancient teachings and to, you know, do these practices like meditation. Um, prayer, uh, you know, just all the different things. If that calls to you, then yeah, you're just at this version of the journey. I don't even think that it's like this stage as though it's like something linear because who knows the the track that, you know, somebody could be on, if it's fast or slow, if they wanted it to be wayward, if they're, it's not going to be part of what they do in this incarnation, who knows? Uh, mm. But yeah, ultimately that is, you know, that's what the course says is that it's inevitable. It's actually already happened. 
So it's already a done deal. Oh yeah. The time and space are illusions. All time is <laughs> simultaneous. And so we're really just reliving a movie and uh, you know, holographic field, reliving scenes that have already played out. But what I've come to sense is that the purpose in living out these scenes that aren't real, that have already taken place, so to speak, is to come into the awareness that it is our will to make these choices going back toward the original mind and to purified thinking, that it is our will one step at a time to make the new choice, to let go of the illusion and to choose the truth. Mm-hmm. It can't be forced on anybody. They really have to get in touch with the fact that they want that, that yeah. they want to remember God. They want to remember the true self, mm. that they want peace. <laughs> mm. Powerful stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the thing. You can't force it. There is the very prevalent fact of free will. And we have, it seems contradictory and paradoxical like we have forever to keep running away but yet like you said it's already been done yeah there's nothing we can do to mess it up we can just delay we can Mm, have the appearance and experience of delaying it (laughs) yeah but if it's calling to you that's not going to feel good you know Mm. yeah so would you say that um How do I put this? How do I put this? It's an inevitability. We're all going to get on that wavelength. So the mystery to me is, and yeah, I don't think we can ever figure it out. Why are some people on that wavelength already? And why are some people still delaying? You know, the sages would say it's because the people that are delaying haven't suffered enough. (laughs) You know? That's it. I, and I kind of see that. I kind of see that. The suffering, in a way, brings us back to God, or at least the wanting of God, the not wanting of the, the humanly stuff, the desires, the pleasures, the aversions, everything that has to do with the personality causes suffering. And until we say, wait a second, this isn't working, that's when we get the call. And it's up to us to answer the phone or not. So... Would you agree with that? Do you think the suffering of humanity is really what gets us aligned with God? And in that way, it's almost disguised as grace. Basically, yes, I would agree with that. I just wouldn't say that it's an absolute necessity in every case. Mm-hmm. Um, disillusionment is very powerful. Um, you know, like watching your belief system crumble, watching your authorities fall, um, just having like a tower moment where everything that you thought was true just like crumbled into a pile and you're like WTF. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's like, I used to read tarot cards and there's a tarot card called the tower. And it's about this moment where your belief system crumbles and there's this lightning bolt coming and hitting the tower. And that's meant to symbolize revelation because in the disillusionment, which suffering often leads to, Uh, you crack apart your belief system that you're kind of locked into. And that is, that has to happen for you to open your mind and have new light come in. So that is very, that's very powerful. And that's something that I went through 
kind of in the early stages of feeling like I was having shifts in consciousness. Um, suffering doesn't seem to always wake people up. Um, and I wonder sometimes if people appear to be suffering to our perception, but they may not really be feeling it with like in the pits of despair, like we might think that we can empathetically intuit. They might be going through the scene that looks like suffering because it's part of the whole orchestra and serves some other role mm -hmm. in the greater scheme of things. I've yeah. wondered if that's a possibility. Mm. Um, but yes, I would agree with you in general. Suffering is meant to kind of feel like, you know, you're hitting the wall. The, the way that you're trying to do it is, is futile. It's not going to work. And it's going to keep hurting until you change your mind about something. Yeah. So suffering, I do think, can push you to that. But who knows if, uh, if people are ready or if that's part of what they wrote for themselves in their script. <laughs> um, a lot well, of variables. Um, what brought you to this wavelength? Because your background, you said, was aligned with pretty much fundamental Christian values. Well, you've come to see uh, the word of Jesus a little bit differently. So what kind of woke you up and got you on this whole uh, wavelength of Course in Miracles and things such as that? Well, uh, I did grow up in the Christian church, and um, there's a lot of nice things about that. But eventually, I felt like I couldn't believe in the things that I was taught there anymore. I felt like there was a lot of judgment and hypocrisy. And I didn't feel like even people who looked super devoted on the outside, I didn't feel like it actually translated to an inner life or an inner relationship with God. So I didn't, I just didn't see how any of it worked. And I really started calling, can I say bullshit? <laughs> yeah. You can say whatever you want. <laughs> I really started calling bullshit on the whole thing. And I did make the mistake of throwing out the baby with the bathwater and mm. declared myself a complete atheist and maintained mm. that very smugly for about seven years. And um, so I just got rid of all of the religious stuff that I grew up with um, mm -hmm. and really just let it go and was a humanist, a secular humanist. I think someone told me was where I was. Mm -hmm. um, didn't believe in anything spiritual. It was all just like material physicality is the only reality period. Mm -hmm. um, I think that the light started coming in because I had some disillusionment that I went through uh, with running my own business and trying to really <laughs> contribute something good to the world and discovering the world that I was offering my contribution to, um, you know, mm -hmm. doing the research to figure out like, how do I make this product? How do I market it? What gets sales? What do people want? Um, just going through that experience. Uh, at, at one point I was uh, making body care products. I was very much into holistic nutrition and just lots of self care. 
and uh, was making natural body products. And so I had to research and learn a lot about like all the toxicity and the stuff that you would buy off the shelf. And that like was such a big deal to me. Like everybody needs to know this. Everybody needs to go vegan. Everybody needs to like only use essential oils. And I, uh, I just, I was on fire to provide this product that was very healthy and helped you love yourself and have like little self-care rituals. And my interaction with selling it to people, I discovered that they were coming from their own, you know, desires for the product where they kind of just wanted to be very perfumey or they just, I, they weren't appreciating it. Uh, they weren't seeing like, oh, this is a way that I can connect with myself. This is a way I can take care of myself. It's, you know, I don't necessarily like believe in all of those things anymore uh, that you have to like eat a certain way or use certain products or I just, I don't, I'm not aligned with those rules anymore. Mm-hmm. But um, it was kind of a, a weird time to describe what all was going on, but it, you know, actually I do remember a big deal was I started thinking about things differently and someone suggested that I look up a 9-11 documentary and I found a good one and it blew my mind. And then I started thinking, well, if that official story is so way off. And then I just, I just went down so many rabbit holes for months and uh, it just opened my eyes. Like I, I got pretty fired up and, you know, scared and pissed off at some of the stuff I was reading, but eventually I got to the point where I was like, this is so crazy that it just can't matter because obviously every day we get up and everything's still running. Um, who knows what's true. It's so hard to tell if you actually start like looking under the covers of everything. I cannot know what is true about all this stuff. That stuff gets published that I would never believe gets published. And there it is in black and white. And anyway, that just made me kind of snap out of my, sense that I already knew everything that was going on and what, you know, what life was. And something about that did lead me kind of into new agey spiritual stuff. And I got really into self-care, yoga, meditation. I really got deep into meditation and I started having kind of mild mystical experiences where I'd have like visions during meditations. Um, I would hear I heard the ocean talk to me one day, just little things that were just like exposing me to a reality so far beyond everything that I conceived of before. So when I just realized that I had been living with my awareness in a tiny box, I was just like, okay, we're busting out. There's so much more to this. And thank God, because this life was so boring. And this truth that is unfolding itself is like so exciting. Like I was hoping that life had a purpose like this. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We live in that tiny box, like you said. <sighs> and I, I used to deal with a lot of uh, anxiety and some depression. I used to have like panic disorders, even agoraphobia at one point. So there was a motivation to find healing. Yeah. in these practices and in these studies and uh and i did and it was actually the the bhagavad gita phase when i was doing my Hare krishna mantras all day every day um i got a lot out of that like the mental discipline 
that I gained from that was life-changing. Just the ability to concentrate my attention at will. Um, and then to learn, you know, good usages of that, to use my will to concentrate my attention on things that were true and whole and, and healing. And, you know, I also discovered that the, the more that I heal, the more that I offer health and, and happiness in, in, to the world and to relationships. So it's, yeah, it, it, it all started proving itself as very valuable. And then it just kind of revealed itself as like, this is the purpose. This is the answer. This is the way. <laughs> this is the way. This is the way. Yeah. And surrendering to trust. Yeah. Uh, that it's, everything's just perfect. So I've quit planning things. Um, I have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow or in a year. Uh, I just show up pretty much the same every day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> same intention. I feel you. Yeah. Have you always had that intuitive compass within? Like, did you always call BS on the um, fundamental dogma that you were raised in? And was there a, was there a moment where it was like, wait a second. Or is it just like, you know, was it constant in your life? Like, this isn't right. I think that what I could intuit when I was young and going to church was that the best thing about it was just the kindness and the gathering and the singing. Yeah. But everything else was like, eh. <laughs> everything else I didn't quite get. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know why we kept reading these Bible verses in church that didn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. And then my family like wouldn't, you know, exactly talk about it afterward to make sure that we understood. Um, so it just yeah. felt like going through the motions. Mm -hmm. And, but I did feel like there were plenty of moments in church, you know, I felt like a glow within me that was mm -hmm. just happy to be there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I have visited a Christian church, uh, about three or four years ago. And, I didn't, because I haven't been to Christian churches in forever, but I went to one uh, for my family a few, a few years ago, and I just decided going in, I'm just going to use my lens of understanding in what they mean when they say Jesus. Yeah. I'm just going to use my lens for the real message that's being offered here mm -hmm. and just kind of ignore whatever might get said that might suggest otherwise, because I know the real point of you know, what we're doing. Well, I don't want to make it sound like that. I know the real point, um, <laughs> but I definitely connected with something that was true and beautiful. And so that's what I showed up to experience mm -hmm. at the church. That's and wonderful. I did. Mm -hmm. How would you describe your understanding of Jesus and his word now compared to before? <laughs> <laughs> There's no comparison. <laughs> There's no comparison. Yeah, it's it's so metaphysical. Like he's giving you the total game hack in the Bible, but it's it's so sparse compared to like if you read the Gospel of Thomas and it's just one saying after another that's pointing to the thing that you can't see that you have to remember or awaken to. I mean, some of that is in the Bible, but um, you know, they weren't translating it or interpreting it mm. that that way in the church. Mm -hmm. um, so I didn't get that level of it. I just felt like he was saying 
to follow the commandments, to forgive, to turn the other cheek, just to be very peaceful. But the way that I understood it, you know, it was always in the back of my mind, like, well, I'm not sure that that totally is going to work. Like, I'm not sure that's the most practical way to go about it. Um, that seems kind of impossible. Um, and also, I did get the sense, of, you know, when I was younger, my old interpretation of things, I got the sense that he was uh, very special, like in an exceptional way and not uh not the same as us. Like I think of Jesus as an elder brother. Like I think of the spirit of Jesus as an elder brother that I can connect with, like he would a, an angel or a guide or something. Um, but we are all the son of God is how I understand things now. And I feel like that's true. We are all sons of God. Yeah. And he is an example of someone who faced the ego, uh, let it be undone, you know, turned it away, decided to be vigilant for God only and had that faith. Uh, he, he just saw the truth. He saw through the illusion of the sickness of, mm. of all of the judgment. So he was an example of that. Um, so because he is such a bright example, it, you know, my old version of things was that, well, I'll never live up to that. You know, I'm never going to be God's favorite kid. I'm not even going to be like the six millionth favorite kid. You know, I just was yeah. thinking of thinking <laughs> very, you know, material reality terms. Yeah. Um, so the Jesus that I connect with now is just this loving presence that is the perfect guide uh, will tell you the truth in the way that is gentle toward everyone. Um, no one has to lose. No one has to suffer. Um, yeah, it's it's a very bright uh, voice, I guess. Mm, I know what yeah. you mean. Yeah, it's the true spirit of Jesus. Like you said, he is the prime example. And if not the prime one of the prime examples for us. And that's the biggest difference between traditional dogma and the true teachings of Jesus is the truth of Jesus, the true Holy Spirit that is endowed through him is something for us to embody in our lives, to follow him, as Jesus says, but not follow him in a... Um, way like blindly follow like uh, on Instagram or something, but follow on his footsteps, you know, follow through his example and bring that yeah. into your life so that you can feel that you are, yes, a son of God, just as Jesus is. That's the biggest difference. When traditional dogma doesn't really lead you down that way, it's uh, very shallow, you know, it's kind of just, some kind of routine that people get into that doesn't really mean much. The same thing with me when I was younger and tried to understand what the whole church was about. I didn't get it either. I'm like, what is, why are we doing these rituals that don't make any sense? It literally didn't make any sense. It didn't compute. So same with me. I follow the sense of atheism with it. I think that's the first step to truly reaching Jesus's words. The irony in there is you become an atheist to the craziness. <laughs> Of that most churches are spewing forth it doesn't make any sense so become an atheist to that 
and truly find out what God is in a, and have a personal relationship with this example of Jesus. And that's what really it's about, um, is bringing it back home, back into one's life and embodying that, following in his footsteps and knowing that we can live like Jesus and not necessarily in the way that we're going to get crucified, but sort of in a metaphorical sense. Like, that's the thing is like, take Jesus, I feel, this is personally speaking, as I take Jesus and all these other masters as metaphors for my life, you know, all like, how did they go through certain tumultuous times, certain um, ups and downs of life, certain turmoils and whatever, you know, happened in their life? How can I translate that into my life in a metaphorical sense? That's really what not only Jesus is about, I feel, but every teaching, every teaching, how can we translate that back into our own life? And if you can't figure that out, if it doesn't resonate in that way, I say run the other way. If it's some kind of um, idea of bowing down to an outward idol as a sort of totem, which is Jesus kind of is, he's some sort of like, some sort of deity that's out there and not even, you know, he's up there, you're down here. Okay, that's God. You, you're, you're not going to get there. Feel guilty for your sins. If it's like that, run the other way. Because this is um, kind of going off here on a tangent, excuse me. But there's a lot of different, um, there's a lot of different false deities other than Jesus. You know, there's a lot of different false uh, idols. Jesus isn't in the popular dogma sense, isn't the only one. It can happen with people that are living today. It can happen with everything. It's saying that like they have the answer. They're the one. You're not part of the one. Run the other way if that's the case. It's all about coming back home. Coming back to the self with a greater, um, mm -hmm. with a capital S, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, if you're resonating with the truth and it's calling you and you want to awaken to it and the will is in place there then yeah you're going to hear jesus say like in the course of miracles he's going to say i am you you are me the only difference is that i made the decision decision for what the decision to see through the illusions of the ego mm-hmm to uh, remember the truth for God and only that. And no matter the circumstance. What's that? As in to make the decision, but it's like a constant decision, no matter the circumstance, as in like uh, whatever happens in our life. And that's why Jesus could be the prime example is because he stayed with that decision from birth to death. Yeah, yeah. It's not just doing what Jesus did, but it's uh, looking at the world the way that he did and thinking mm. the way that he did. That's yeah. really more important. And so that's the decision is how are you going to use your perception with this experience? Because you're constantly making a choice in how to interpret how you feel about whatever is happening. Yeah. Are you going to start casting a lot of judgment and condemnation and perceiving a lot of inequality. Is that what you want to keep real? Or do you feel the call of God's reality on your heart where we could just call it heaven, like a heavenly realm where there's perfect equality. Everyone knows that they're eternal. Um, there's no competition. There's no scarcity. You can't be hurt. You can't be harmed. Nothing can be lost. 
Mm-hmm. It's, to- it's a reversal of the world that we see here, the dream of separation, as they call it. Mm-hmm. So the decision is one we're all capable of making, it, but the willingness has to be in align with it. It's it's just kind of recognizing that you are believing in an illusion. It's it's a scary illusion. It's a nightmare, basically. But you have to see through it so that you're not afraid of it and you can return your mind to a different perception. So even though the world that we live in can seem very chaotic and full of suffering, we can make the decision to use perception to be as forgiving and loving as possible and not to get sucked into a darkened dream of things where we just focus on the problems and focus on the evil or the ignorance or whatever it is. The the lesson is really just turn your attention to the answer because as you change your perception in line with that, it, it allows you the, the way that the course puts it, that you basically are clearing the channel when you choose to look at things the way that Jesus looked at things and they call it, holy perception or Christ vision. And that's basically just opening up the channel of awareness, clearing it from illusions to whatever extent that you can, and that that will let the knowledge, the memory of the original mind return to you. Yeah. And that really is the case. You start, the world looks different to you. People look different to you. Mm. Um, it's crazy. I re- it really like proved to me that as far as what we experience as an individual, it's your own hologram. We may know people that are like, did you see that awful thing that happened on the corner? It was, there was a whole crowd. It was just uh, awful tragedy. We might hear stuff like that, but that doesn't mean that it's actually going to be real in our hologram, which is I'm sure a touchy subject that could go all over the place and it could come across as like being insensitive to the suffering of the world. But actually we have to turn our attention to the answer to returning to type of pure perception that lets us love rather than hate yeah. and think that it's love, you know, lets us forgive rather than judge. Like if we want to heal the world and help people, we, ha- we have to work on ourselves first and how we're perceiving things. Mm really tricked ourselves into thinking that we're doing the righteous thing by being angry by um having like exclusive groups where these are the good guys and these are the bad guys and that's how you stay safe is like make sure you're on the good guys and like that's such nonsense that is the problem is all of the differences and separation yeah so yeah, clearing the mind, looking at things the way that Jesus looked at them, um, totally changes the experience. Totally changes the things that you see in the world mm. and how they, uh, just how they feel. Yeah. So that's the essence of it, Christ's perception. Is that no matter the appearance of the hologram, no matter how dark it may seem, it's up to us to see it differently or to perceive it differently not necessarily trying to change up what happened but how we feel on the inside about it the meaning that we would give to it and the the guidance in the course would say to let the holy spirit be the one to interpret it Mm -hmm. which it's basically like letting your higher self 
be the one to give something meaning. I see. Now, how would one go about this? Uh, you know, where do we start on this? Because definitely sounds good in theory, right? You know, love is the answer. We've all heard that before. Forgive thy neighbor. How do we get aligned with this so that no matter what happens in our life, we can stay on this wavelength of forgiveness, love, and seeing things through the Holy Spirit? Well, I think that this uh, wavelength that we're talking about is the natural state for everyone already. They already have it. They don't have to earn it or, or build it or, or anything. But what's not, what makes it seem like it's not there is just that it's blocked in the awareness because the attention is being given to other things that seem real. So guaranteed, everybody already has something on their plate, meaning like in their immediate personal life that is offering them this lesson. Um, typically relationships are great for this where you just try to show up in the interaction with your new perception. Um, for me, a very powerful experience was uh, interacting with someone who could tend to provoke me and make me get like kind of emotionally reactive, uh, like defensive, um, even like at my feelings hurt, just kind of something very difficult to deal with that yeah. I didn't look forward to. I knew that this was a prime candidate for experimenting with these practices. So I took some Eckhart Tolle teachings with non-reaction and uh, some meditative skills. And that's how I showed up was with that decision to not go into the thoughts about how dare he say that. Or, I, well, you know, you have to be able to notice what you're thinking about. Kind of have to go into that higher like observer level and just see the thoughts rather than like being at the mercy of them. Yeah. So I realized that I was having those thoughts of um, being offended, um, being afraid, intimidated, thinking about how it wasn't fair, thinking about why do I have to have this relationship? And so I wasn't going to allow myself to entertain those thoughts anymore. I directed my attention to trusting that this was a holy brother. <laughs> mm -hmm just going to harness into that. This is my holy brother. He can't really hurt me. I had a mantra for a while. Um, So-and-so is a, is a, it was, it was a while ago. So it's hard for me to remember exactly what it was, but it was something like, uh, so-and-so is a holy spirit of the mind of God. And I grow in spirit every time I choose to love, accept, and forgive. Something mm -hmm. like that. I think I butchered it a little bit. But it was just this statement that I would say every morning as like part of my morning routine, just to like make the declaration. Because it was something I was dealing with in my immediate experience. I wanted it to be better. I could tell that it wasn't like in a good vibe zone. So I just applied whatever I had in my toolbox at the time to show up with every interaction with this person, standing in the highest truth that I knew. And I made sure to be non-reactive, to not be judgmental, and to 
you know, still be present and responsive and engaging, but I just, I would have, you know, trust. I don't have to defend myself. I don't have to correct him if he says something that's not true about me. I don't have to explain something if he questions something. Um, so mm. showing up in a, like kind of a humble confidence, yeah. like kind of, I know you can't hurt me. I know that this is the choice I want to make, but presenting that with like a loving energy and composure, it wasn't anything like, Oh, I'm so superior. Um, you can't touch me. Um, but it was just, I, I made the decision, you know, decisions are very powerful. I made the decision. I know that there is light and love to be experienced in this relationship. And that really is the ultimate point is how do I uncover how to get there? Yeah. And so I just did, I practiced, made the decision, did my statements for a couple months every morning, wow. just reaffirming that intention. And it worked it totally, the relationship totally changed. And it's, it was like a huge miracle. It really kind of <laughs> added to the whole theory I was developing about like, it's your own hologram or something in your experience to change. It's not bound by the limitations and laws that you think it is where, well, that's an individual person. They were raised that way. They've got this kind of life circumstance. They're always going to be the way that they are. No, no. Everything's much more flexible than that. And everything's responding to you just showing up for yourself with intention. And when that's aligned with, you know, the guidance of Holy Spirit, you know, wanting to step into peace and love and equality, um, you've got so much power with you when you step into that intention. Like the things that change are just, just mind-blowing miraculous so yeah it proves itself and there's no going back yeah there's no going back exactly <sighs> so the key is to approach every situation with the best of our ability with love and that means seeing the other person as your true brother no matter how much it may seem like this person is against you how much they're trying to hurt you it's actually the contrary if we can see them as God in drag, as Ram Dass says, that is the essence of the teaching. And yes, easier said than done, for sure. I can understand that. But if we can at least align ourselves with that wavelength, it will start to unfold naturally. At least I feel it starts to unfold naturally. If with repetition, you do say through whatever interaction, Every day, ideally, this is my brother. This is my sister. I'm going to go into this with love. It does start to, something starts to take over. A higher intelligence, the Holy Spirit, as you say, starts to take over the interaction. And yes, we don't react to thoughts. There's a, a more wise response, it seems, in the moment. If one can stay aligned in that wavelength. So how would you say we stay aligned in that wavelength? I, For me personally, I'll say what I do. I have to meditate every day. Like I have to be able to tap in to whatever that is inside just as a constant reminder to stay aligned. If not, I get lost in I get lost in online and the stories and the countless narratives and just, you know, the craziness of the world. So I have to personally make time to just quiet the mind and um just be still. And then in that stillness comes forth 
this said Holy Spirit, this resonant truth that is quite apparent um, despite the despite the craziness and chaos of the world. So what would you say? Like, how do you or how did you stay aligned to this? Um, I'll definitely vouch for meditation. Um, you just you need to have uh, management of your mind. Like it is our responsibility to get to that skill yeah. level, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, meditation will show you where the stillness and peace is and and that feels good and that feels like a higher reality yeah and it actually lets the bullshit look like bullshit from that awareness <laughs> yeah. it makes it and smell like bullshit so, exactly <laughs> yeah and i think in the choice to meditate it's very difficult if we have a busy life but that's when you need it the most is when you think all this other stuff is more important that's when you actually need to help yourself out and and let yourself recognize that it it doesn't matter nearly as much or in the way that you think that it does. So meditation for sure. Um, but I do think that some kind of teaching that can either pound in the programming of the good stuff uh, will be helpful because there's going to be obstacles in the form of the belief system constantly telling you why you can't show up in love and trust. Yeah. And it's all going to seem very reasonable and justifiable. So for me, something more powerful than just uh, getting like the good, happy, light and love programming would be to have something like A Course in Miracles where it's telling you your your thought system is so upside down that that's how you, that's the reason that you can't get out of it, uh, of the suffering, of the confusion, um, why you don't, why you fight and try so hard and put all this effort into things, but it doesn't satisfy. You still feel incomplete. You can't quite find a true sense of security. Um, All the things, all the things. So uh, for me, what was very helpful was to read a book dictated by Jesus that says that there is no such thing as fear. That fear is an illusion. There is no such thing as sin. There is no such thing as guilt. You are an eternal spirit and you are invulnerable and you are welcome to have that memory return to you if you're ready. And (laughs) that for me, no, like really getting in touch with that. And that's not something that happens overnight, but it called to me. I knew it was the truth. Mm. I, so I opened up to it and I, you know, practice stepping out in that sense of things, being fearless and removing just the general background fear will change everything. Oh, yeah. Everything. It changes the whole point that you perceive in encountering anyone. You, there's nothing else to protect. There's nothing else to worry about. There's no agenda. Yeah. There's no competition. Mm-hmm. And then there's no like second guessing after the fact, like, oh, why did I say that? Or, oh, you know, <laughs> there's just none of that nonsense anymore. So, yeah, just recognizing that so much of what we believe and think is helping us is actually like useless and, and it is a blockage to love. Yeah, blockage to love. So true. Yeah. So, whether it is a course in miracles or a book or a true, an actual embodied teacher, Make sure you have a reminder, right? Something that brings you back home, whatever it is, brings you back into that essence of love. Yeah, follow what you resonate with. 
you know, different things are going to like touch you at a deeper level. And, and I say, don't worry about what anybody thinks. Don't worry about what's popular. Go with what touches you in your heart. Yeah. It's, it's calling you. It's got something for you. Um, especially when it comes to like mantras and affirmations. I definitely use my mantras and affirmations uh, when I felt like I needed to. And I'll still kind of pull them out of my pocket once in a while if I just want a little extra attainment, but they absolutely help. So, you know, for me at the time, I had a very busy mind and it was very negative and fearful. And I used to listen to a lot of Louise Hay. Uh, I don't know if you know her or maybe it's Hayes. Anyway, she's not around anymore, but she was just the sweetest spiritual teacher. There's a lot of recordings of her stuff on YouTube. And uh, one of her affirmations that I loved so much that did change things in my mind was that everybody's doing just about the best they can. And I've, I've said that to people and that don't, you know, get into this stuff. And they're like, that's not true. There's no way that that's true, but it's actually true. And so that's one of the things when we're talking about, you know, how do you deal with people when it's hard to show up in love? I keep in mind, everybody's doing just about the best they can. Yeah. And that's how we forgive. Yeah. It's not malicious. It's <laughs> yeah. the only thing it's got to do with you when someone's behaving weirdly or meanly or whatever it is. The only thing that that's offering you is your own opportunity to see things like Jesus to look at things through the higher minds, to mm. not make a deal out of it, to be forgiving of it. Yeah. Amen to that. Wow. Yep. It's well said. You're very well spoken. It's always an opportunity. Yeah. We're never too far gone, no matter what. You can always come back and see through the heart. But it is our responsibility. You know, that's the thing. It's up to all of us to be able to do that. Yeah. You can do it just like that. You know, that's the thing. Just just like that. It's a switch. Yeah. So simple. It really is. It's so simple. Just love. Forgive. Forgive thy neighbor. See yourself in the other person's eyes. It's so simple. But we run away from it. I don't know. Yeah, forgiving others does go hand in hand with forgiving yourself. Yeah. That's a big part of it, too. You know, when it says there is no guilt, that includes you. Um, so whatever Very baggage true. we have from our from our past, um, you know, we have to look at that. Because if we're carrying guilt subconsciously, we're going to be projecting that onto other people. They're mm. going to be acting that out for us in the dream. In the dream. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, but when we process that stuff, when we can look honestly at what's going on inside, kind of clean out the closet, look at it, forgive it, heal it, love it, reintegrate it. Then we're no longer projecting that uh, funk onto other people. We're not using their uh, body image in the hologram to play that role of holding our funk for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah very true oh man this is good stuff yeah and that way it's uh that is the rebirth that is the re the resurrection right it's like uh, a whole new mindset 
and seeing yourself and then seeing the world as above so below it's the same thing essentially but it's yeah. the rebirth of our perspective of our perception of this whole thing yeah that's what it's all about yeah the resurrection is about the the christ mind returning to the entire sonship as the course says mm. yeah we are one sonship yeah we are one and I think it's just a beautiful healing thing just to show up in no matter who you're around, just to show up with uh, that light of awareness in your mind that we're all brothers. We're all equals. Brothers and sisters, however you want to say it. I just go with brothers because that's what the Course says. I don't have any issues with it. Mm-hmm. But we're all equal and we're all connected at the Source Father origin. And we all have this original estate that lives within us that we return to just with our attention and our mind and um, just showing up, showing that regard for people that you're not afraid of them. You're not judging them. Just there to like share the happy, good stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Or to just patiently, you know, patiently tolerate the, the weird stuff. Just you, it's just holding the space for not being afraid of all the stuff. And that tends to be contagious. Other people see you not getting afraid. They're like, oh, you don't have to be afraid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't even have to talk about it. You just kind of show up shining that light and you feel good doing that. And then it just seems to help other people too. Exactly. It's a win-win. It's win-win. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It really is beautiful. It makes life beautiful in that way. And um, I guess to anybody that doesn't understand, even though I... I would assume people understand if they listen this long, but if you don't understand and you're just kind of listening at a surface level, it only makes sense if you truly do it and and feel the difference in one's life. Like next time, whatever it is, maybe just going to get a coffee or something, show up and see God in the person's eyes. See if you can do that. And you most likely will be able to feel the difference and just the whole interaction, the moment all together, just a different feeling in yourself because that's legitimately who we are. Like, I feel as though at all points of our life, no matter what's going on, we're supposed to see the other person as truly yourself in a way. You know, you're supposed to see yeah. uh, just an, a, an extension of yourself. And when you do, yeah, life becomes just beautiful, man. It's just like something something truly inexplicable but it's really i feel as though how it's supposed to be you know that's that's how it's supposed to be it may seem corny and cliche like i said if somebody's just listening on a surface level and they're like what are these two crazy people <laughs> talking about but it's the truth it's is the funny proof is some of the, the best stuff is a corny cliche but then it's true and you don't yeah. mind it anymore <laughs> yeah exactly yeah exactly i don't care how corny i sound the proof is in the pudding just try it out do it yourself embody love and like you said yeah it's not like uh we do this overnight rome wasn't built in a day refinement takes time i do believe that but even just the little steps and the simple moments and the little moments in life that's where it really shines through and you'll feel it you'll feel it you know absolutely the only way you can feel it is uh I was going to say, you just do it. Like, there's no other way. Like, you can't just listen to a podcast. You can read. I mean, they do help. Podcasts help. Reading Course in Miracles help. Teachers definitely help. Guides help. 
But at the end of the day, they're just fingers pointing at the moon. And we can't mistake, <laughs> you know, we can't mistake the finger for the moon. And the moon is within, you know, and that metaphor, it's all up to us. So um, that's it. Yeah, I don't know what, it, uh, what else to say, to be honest. Um, this is a wonderful talk. I think if we can probably start to wrap it up, um, we could talk about this stuff all day. Do you have anything yeah. else? Uh, do you have anything else you want to say? Well, I just, I really love what you just said. It was really well put that, um, you. you know, we are, when we see another person, they really are just another version of us. Yeah. So when we show up like a loving friend and, you know, say like put our arm around someone to comfort them as we make that choice and that gesture and that, that feeling, that sentiment of love towards someone, it is, we're giving it to ourselves as well. It's as if like, Holy Spirit or God or Jesus's hand comes down and then puts the comfort, you know, around our shoulders. Mm -hmm. So it really starts to become more apparent as you step into it that like, as you treat others, you can tell that that's how the world is treating you. Yeah. So if you just decide to just be love, enjoy love, give love, stand in love, the world changes. Uh, you, you meet with a very friendly people and uh whenever anything isn't like all happy happy airy fairy um you can be peaceful and recognize uh how to show up and respond to that and how to learn from it so yeah again win-win win-win <laughs> this was great this was great i think i want to interview you next <laughs> <laughs> for sure yeah um let me know i think this was awesome too i appreciate you coming on here and uh sharing your time effort and wisdom I think I already said it, but you're very well spoken. I can sense your um, your very warm soul, definitely a calm energy that comes about. I can tell you, uh, you're really about this life. So I appreciate you um, coming on here. It's an honor for you to share it with me and keep on doing your thing. Seriously, keep on wow. doing your thing. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Beautiful work. <laughs> Thank so, you. So honored to join you. In this. <laughs> appreciate it. Um, and thank you for anybody that listened this long. Peace and love <laughs> yeah. to you. Peace and love. And that's yeah, it. Yeah, peace and love.